Welcome to the Bike Portland podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Moss. For this episode, I rode down to City Hall and recorded an interview with Portland City Commissioner Mingus Maps. Maps has served as one of Portland's five council members since 2020 and was recently named the commissioner in charge of the Transportation Bureau. Maps is a graduate of Reed College. He has a PhD in government from Cornell and is a former political science professor. Prior to ousting former commissioner Chloe Udaly from her seat in 2019, Maps worked for the city of Portland's Office of Civic Life. Commissioner Maps and I covered a lot of ground in this interview. We talked about the type of person he's looking to hire as the next director of PBOT, how he thinks transportation policy and projects can help revitalize Portland, why he thinks the 2030 bike plan is outdated, uh, his rationale for wanting more police officers to patrol Portland's streets, uh, his position on the I-5 Rose Quarter project, and much more. Here's our conversation. Commissioner Maps, thanks for taking time to talk today. Oh, glad to be here. I have to ask you a quick question about something you said in our last interview about how th when things turn to normal, you're going to ride your bike into work. And I'm just curious, is that happening? Happening? Do you mean things that have things returned to normal yet? Two-part question. Are things normal to you? And oh, are you my gosh. Uh, no, I think I am three, if not four years into um, intense abnormality. Uh, I still hope that things settle down, uh, but it is still an extremely chaotic time. Uh, and my visions for... Um, a normal work day where I would get up and hop on my bike and ride to City Hall is not at all what my life uh, looks like. Uh, in the mornings, I drop uh, one kid off at his, at his school, and then I come back and wake up the other one, feed, uh, feed him, drive him to his school. They both ride their bikes home while I'm at work, and then I have to jut downtown, uh, and I do it in my car, I, conf I confess. Um, and then uh, we, in fact, after this, we're going to run out today to go visit a houseless shelter uh, in 122nd. It's just a very uh, dynamic and kind of unpredictable lifestyle. But I do hope one day there will be a normality to it, uh, which allows me to uh, commute by bike uh, for my on, on a regular basis, but we have not achieved that yet. Biking is still very much part of how our household works, uh, but I'm on an exceptionally tight timeline every day. They have those indoor riding setups, you know, where you can cook it up to like a computer program and ride. Maybe they could get one with like Portland scenery. You can oh, <laughs> I would love that. I, I will tell you, um, my body and my mental health has uh, suffered greatly since um since uh, commuting by bike and foot has uh, fallen off. And, and you, you live in Southeast still? Yeah, I'm oh. in her Southeast. Okay, okay. So uh, that's kind of your orbit mobility-wise. Yeah, I, and also I'm super lucky. I, I live pretty close to Longford Cemetery. So like in the snowstorm, uh, I was walking back and forth between my house and City Hall. Okay. Um, yeah, so I've been, I've been just waiting to talk to you about transportation. Great. Because I heard, you know, when you first got elected, I heard that you were interested in it. And that was oh something gosh, that... Yes. And, and you and your office. Um, but then you didn't have PBOT as a bureau, so it's kind of like, you know, a little bit of a bummer on my side in terms uh -huh. of like what I could what I could talk to you about. But now you do have it. So for the last couple of months you've been at the helm, let's say, of PBOT. What's that been like being thrust into sort of being the leader of that bureau over the last three months? Oh my gosh. Uh, I don't even think it's been three months. I think it's been uh two months and three days, and I'll tell you in that time, um uh, the director of the bureau, who I was very much looking forward to working with, uh, resigned. Uh, we had a strike, and we had the second largest snowstorm, I think, of the past 50 years. So it has been an, um, an enormously hectic but exciting time. Um, I've seen the bureau step up to a number of different challenges uh, um, in a way that really makes me proud to be part of this team. Um, and in addition to those sort of day-to-day -day operational things, uh, Portland and the and Oregon is going through um, some really fascinating and important conversations about what the future of transportation and our transportation infrastructure looks like. So it's an incredibly exciting time to be here. Yeah, I want to get, I think I know what you're alluding to there, and I want to get to some of that. Um, first of all, kind of on to that note, there was, as you know, there was a, a recent LA Times article that you were in that looked at Portland as sort of one of these classic, I thought it was one of these classic uh, reporters parachuting into a city yeah, yeah. trying to write the big piece and all that stuff. I thought of it because as I was looking at the setup to that article, 
the things, and it's not it's not uncommon for these kind of these kind of pieces from national news outlets. They come in and they they talk about to sort of set the scene of Portland, and 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 paint this picture of Portland's success or so, right? As it used to be this model city. And several of the things that, that they set up Portland as have to do with sort of urban planning and transportation infrastructure, right? They'll mention the waterfront, Harbor yep. Drive. They'll yep. mention uh, land use stuff like the yep. urban growth boundary, right? And then so I'm, I'm seeing that. And then, of course, the article was about how, you know, Portland's lost some of its footing and there were all this sort of, uh, you know, existential stuff going yeah. on in this city right now. And it also occurs to me that at the same time, in the last several years, from my perspective of looking at transportation really closely, <laughs> the issue itself has also receded at City Hall. So it, I feel like at this time when you know we're known for transportation being a leader in that and land use and urban planning, the time when sort of Portland really needs it most, when we're sort of like losing our footing a bit, it's really not being talked about like it like it was you know five, seven, eight, ten years ago. So I just wonder if you think you know transportation infrastructure policies urban planning stuff can can be a part of portland's revitalization and is sort of in what way oh absolutely well number one i'll tell you i i don't know uh, if i can comment on uh the importance of transportation receding from city hall in recent years but uh it's incredibly important to me and i can tell you i get to sit at a, lo- a lot of planning tables and a lot of budget tables and moving forward uh transportation is going to be core to um the city's revitalization and the state's revitalization and what the future of our community looks like. Um, it's not just about moving vehicles back and forth. It's about how we live. It's actually a really exciting time. You know, transportation um, infrastructure is constantly evolving, and I think we're at the precipice of a new and exciting chapter in transportation where infrastructure is going to uh Emphasize cars less, emphasize public transportation, biking and walking more, greater emphasis on green infrastructure. Um, I'll also tell you, um, a lot of the old models for funding transportation infrastructure have become obsolete, uh, which is both a crisis, but it also is an opportunity to reimagine how we go about supporting infrastructure. And frankly, that's kind of a good thing because our old systems for funding infrastructure in the transportation realm have not served us well. So I'm very psyched about the 21st century. Good. Okay. I want to get to the revenue stuff, but I want to, so, so a little bit more specifically about transportation. When you look out at the landscape at Portland, uh, transportation in general, sort of what pops into your head as something we're doing well in Portland? I think we're building modern uh, multimodal transportation. You know, I I pretty much grew up in Portland, and I will tell you uh, the bike lanes, the emphasis on uh, public transportation infrastructure, um, Rose Lane, these are things are relatively new and relatively modern. I think we're much more um, cognizant of um, how our street infrastructure uh, works to get works works to shape our lives. Um, I'll tell you, I'm also the commissioner in charge of the Water Bureau and the uh, Bureau of Environmental Services, which some people think of as sewers, although we're a lot more than that. You know, all of those pipes live underneath the roads. One of the exciting things about this particular um, assignment for, for me is I can help water, sewer, and roads work together. Incredible efficiencies there uh, um, that will make, the I think, the city better, better use of uh, taxpayer dollars. Uh, it's really innovative, especially for the city of Portland, which is famous for our silos, mm-hmm. you know, um, at least in the infrastructure space, um, at least in the public infrastructure space, uh, we're really already on to a new form of government. So just to follow up to that, do you think there's something we are not doing well when it comes to transportation? You sure. Can't say, you can't say the budget. You can't say revenue or the budget. Oh, we'll uh, get to that later. <laughs> as the guy where the buck stops on uh, public transportation or transportation infrastructure, um, I'm horrified and upset about the number of traffic deaths we see out there. Um, you know, literally driving a vehicle is uh, a scary experience, and I think driving a bicycle in Portland is often a scary experience. And I will tell you, we need to manage this better as we head into what I expect to be a couple of decades of growth. Uh, where we have more people, you know, in a confined space, um, how this works if we don't, uh, this won't work unless we reimagine how we, 
help people get to where they want to go. I want to go back real quick because I had a question about how you are the, the what they call the Public Works Commissioner, yeah. right? So Bureau of Environmental Services, Water Bureau, and the Transportation Bureau. Yeah. Can you mention like a do you, do you have a specific thing you think where there's like an effective nexus between those bureaus uh, that 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 folks can, can put in their head? It's like a real tangible way that those three can work better together. Well, number one, if we literally this is a big part of what we do every day. Um, you know, certainly anytime we are. Um, we need to rip up a road uh, to install new water infrastructure or environment or sewer infrastructure. We're using that as an opportunity to uh, take a look at whether or not we can afford to actually fix the road too. Frankly, since we've ripped the road up already, um, this is the that's the perfect time to actually uh, make improvements to the road. And I'm not just talking about repaving. I'm also taking a look at safety infrastructure, bike infrastructure, pedestrian infrastructure. Uh, you know, um, in this space, we talk about triple whims um, often. And this is literally one of those spaces where we see that, where we can do projects that are good for water, good for environmental services, and good good for um, and good for roads, too. And you're talking, like, timing-wise specifically. Like, you yeah, get yeah. the trucks out there, they might as well do more than one thing instead uh, of... Cool. Absolutely. In fact, we have a. I think we just did a project like that um, on division within the last couple of weeks, or at least I got approval for it through council in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So, so you mentioned it at the top about um, the, the the current PBOC director moving on, or the yeah. former one moving on. I'm curious if you have any thoughts formulated about sort of what qualities you would like to see in the next leader of PBOT. Oh, sure. This is the subject of a lot of thinking and conversation. Um, in our office that we can probably break some news here. Um, we will be doing an open search. Uh, we're going to go out and look uh, throughout the country to find the best candidate here. Uh, we need both a visionary leader who can help reinvent our our transportation infrastructure for the 21st century. Um, at the same time, you know, this person needs to be able to um, help PBOT navigate um, the transition to a new form of government. Uh, we're doing charter reform. So um, unlike the way things used to work in City Hall, um, even two months ago, uh, literally my bureau directors, water, environmental services, and PBOT uh, literally sit around the same table that you and I are sitting at, and we begin to think about, we talk about how we can work together better, uh, um, where we want the, these bureaus to look like, um, um, as we move to a new form of government, you know, questions as radical as, you know, are these going to be separate bureaus three years from now, five years from now? Um, it is a remarkable and challenging time. Um, so you need someone who can navigate um, all of those changes. At the same time at PBOT, you know, over the next five years, we have a structural $60 million deficit. So in addition to all of that, you're going to be able, you need, our next PBOT director needs to uh, imagine and build uh, the roads and sidewalks and bike lanes of the future. Um, you need to maintain the thousands of miles of infrastructure and boat docks and tunnels and air trams that we have today. And you need to do it well, frankly, um, your budgets are, at least for the short term, shrinking. Gotcha. I want to get in the budget a little bit later. Sure. I have to ask you a question uh, about bicycling specifically. Yeah. Has anyone at Peabot briefed you about bicycling or like the 2030 bike plan? Oh, I do several bike. We haven't had a formal briefing on it yet. It is definitely coming up. Uh, i tell you, I probably do a hot topic is what we call it mm. uh, um, on Peabot issues three times a week. Uh, Peabot is a enormously large and complex uh, organization. Uh, we haven't gotten to the bike plan yet, but it's literally on our list. And I will tell you, um, I'm a reader and fan of Bike Portland, so I'm I'm aware of the history here. I'm aware that we are not achieving our goals, um, and I'm committed to actually uh, um, making Portland a better and safer place for people to bike. Yeah, there, there's been a lot of discussion um, within sort of bicycle advocacy circles just just this month at like the City Bicycle Advisory Committee meeting about the decline in bike ridership. Yep. We sort of hit a peak in 2014. It's been flat and, and or going down since then. I just w curious uh, from your perspective, do you think that's a problem in sort of what 
what should we be doing about that? Well, sure. I certainly want to diversify the way uh, the ways in which people get to where they want to go. Um, you know, I think we what last week or the week before we had a snowstorm. You know, if you were dependent on a private automobile to try to get home uh, during that storm, you were not served well. Uh, so, just for resiliency's sake, for the environment environment's sake, we definitely want to increase um, the amount of uh, miles that people commute in Portland on bike. I think part of that means infrastructure for sure. Um, I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done here. And frankly, one of the things I hope I can at least launch in the two years I have left um, on this council is to um, have a refresh, have to revisit the bike plan uh, to see where we could do better. Um, you know, and if you think about, you know, that bike plan was put together under Mayor Sam Adams um, at a time when Portland was just very different. You know, frankly, the Portland of today is radically different from even the Portland of 2020 when I came into office. And I think a lot of those assumptions uh, um, that we had then uh, are just different. It, it doesn't mean that we abandon the goal of of of. Um, of, of trying to increase bike riding. But I do think, especially when we're not hitting our goal of, I think we're supposed to be at 25% and we're kind of at 5%. 25 by 2030. Yeah, 25 okay. at 30. Yeah. And we're, we've probably gone backwards. I think we're, yeah, we're, we're maybe 5% uh, uh, now. Uh, so things are not going in the, in the right direction. Um, and, you know, if you try to ride your bike in Portland, um, it's not a surprise why, you know, my, I, my kids are on their bikes literally every day. And, um, it's a little bit it's more than a little bit scary for me um um at a many different levels from just like having them cross have to having to cross busy streets to you know safety issues my kids ride through parks and get rocks thrown at them yeah that's 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 terrible i think i feel like sometimes we're we're sort of in this vicious cycle where a lot of people will say that they're too afraid to ride yep and then so more people start driving, okay. and, then and then because of all the cars, people are more afraid to ride. Yep. So we get into this cycle. I think that's partly explains where we're at today. I mean, it's really statistically, it's it's sort of boom time for driving, right? Because transit's way down, bicycling's down, driving is way up. Yep. Um, and, and I'm glad you mentioned something about the bike plan. I, my feeling is from your answer, you still think it matters, but you're saying that maybe maybe there could be some kind of update. Maybe maybe there oh, could I be th an ad hoc group get back together. So maybe I, some kind of I amendment think we do, or something. You know, and and you know something which is just so different from um, from the world where the bike plan was uh, launched. You know, number one, it's some of some of the reduction in biking might be um, benign. So, for example, we're downtown today on a Friday. One of the things you'll discover that downtown downtown Portland on a Friday is just very quiet. People are clearly working at home, and that's mm -hmm. actually a, a positive thing. Um, I think before uh, when we launched the bike plan, I suspect we did not have the um, like the, the electric scooter rentals uh, um, out there. And I, I kind of wondered to the degree to which uh, some of the folks that we had anticipated mm. being on bikes are kind of using that as other forms, as an alternative form of transportation. We also didn't have Bike Town, the bike share system. Bike so. share system. Uh, yeah. um, and, you know, f frankly, I fully expect the bike share system to expand um, in the coming months to years, frankly. You think we can do that without without a public subsidy, without some sort of revenue piece? Because right now it seems to be, it seems very popular. Yep. A lot of people love Bike Town. The stats look okay, but I feel like it's it's really uh, becoming a bit anemic in terms of the actual product. The, the bikes are getting a little older and they haven't really added more bikes while they've added a larger service area and more uh, discounts for people to use it. There's still the same amount of bikes and the bikes are getting older. So you think there's a way to kind of juice that up with a little bit of revenue somehow? Um. We're in conversations around um, uh, how to get uh, more bikes and better bikes out there. I'm hopeful that those conversations will bear fruit. You mentioned your boys riding around the neighborhood. Um, I've also heard you talk in the past about the need for like walkable neighborhoods. Oh, yeah. Um, you, you can't really, I mean, you couldn't be a Portland politician without believing in walkable neighborhoods. So there's no no big news there. But um, especially since the shift for working from home, right? Yeah. I mean, so not only uh, we don't have the same commuting patterns, but now a lot of folks are staying in their neighborhoods more walking their dogs more yep. often, going to the, the neighbor, the corner stores more often if they're there. Um, I just wonder if you could say anything about what you would think is like the best tool that PBOC could use to make those neighborhood streets safer. Sure. Well, we need to look at, you know, crosswalks, you know, making sure the sidewalks are pedestrian friendly or that they are uh, um, crosswalks, you know, or, or sidewalks, you know, certainly as you get uh, to East Portland or Southwest Portland, um, um, you know, there's 
people are still there's there's no place to walk at all that's uh, extremely extremely scary uh, you know many of our neighborhoods especially as you get out to outer east portland you know don't have adequate lighting and whatnot so i used to work at 120 no 112th and sandy uh, and frankly uh, navigating navigating those neighborhoods at night after the sun goes down which you know in portland during the winter can be 4 30 um it's scary and it's dangerous and people get run over on Sandy Boulevard out there with some frequency. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, to, for, for neighborhoods specifically, what do you think about using diverters? That's something that advocates talk about a lot in terms of just more redundancy, more use of diverters to make it so that we can kind of create neighborhood zones where there's fewer people driving. Oh, sure. Uh, I mean, we see, I think, a proliferation of that um, in Portland. I, um, I think it's working. I think for, we need to look at every every neighborhood every block um as being unique uh um, one of the great things about portland at this time is i see us um grabbing a wide range of tools uh um from our infrastructure um, basket to help um, manage traffic flow in traffic can be people in cars it could be people in bikes it could be people on foot we have so many more options today than we had 10 years ago 15 years ago Um, and i think moving forward in the future we're going to have more options still so you, you clearly want to make neighborhoods where people can feel safe to bike. It yeah. sounds like, you know, you're definitely supporting more bicycling, but often the, where the rubber hits the road is really, you know, sort of dismantling some of the, some of the entitlement or culture around driving, right? This is America. We're still Portland, but totally. it's America. Yeah, yeah. People do not go quietly into the night when you start talking about uh, changing the way they're supposed to drive or how much they can drive or where, or how fast. Let's say there was a neighborhood conversation that came up. Actually, we don't even have to make it a hypothetical because this is pretty common in, in Peabot's world. And sure. if you haven't if you haven't been around one of these debates yet, uh, you will be soon. I've been around. Uh, you know, whether let's say we put a diverter on the street, which yep. requires people who ostensibly say they support cycling and safe neighborhoods, but they also don't want to may- maybe make a few more turns out of their way to get home, right? Or or lose some convenience for driving. If if people were just really upset about a potential diverter on those grounds, I'm curious how you sort of Peabot Commissioner maps would talk to someone like that, like in a meeting, if people were just really upset, what would you well, say sure. to calm and them down? This is our day-to-day reality in, uh, in Peabot. You know, we have um, thousands of miles of roads that need to be maintained and sometimes just reinvented um, um, on an annual basis. Anytime we go through and do a major project, you know, number, one of the things we do is look at safety. You know, how can we reimagine this road and rebuild it so that it's safer? How can it uh, also support our um, our environmental goals? You know, we definitely, we essentially want to reduce the amount of carbon Portland puts out in the air by roughly half in the next like six years or something. Requires a radically different approach to uh, transportation and frankly housing. Um, I'll tell yeah, I fully expect and think that we can meet those climate goals, but it's going to require a different transportation infrastructure. And uh, Commissioner Rubio is doing great work in terms of uh, of making our um, housing uh, greener. Um, but it also has to be a conversation, and we have to re- respond to the environment that we inherit. So, you know, we do, do I we're going to do outreach, talk to the neighborhood. We're going to see what the built opportunities could be there. Uh, funding up well is frankly a, a huge issue too. But any time that we uh, um, have to touch a street, we are definitely looking at opportunities to make it uh, more fully multimodal. Okay, but if I'm a if I'm a driver and I'm mad because a diverter's coming in or I'm losing some parking spaces, you know, in front of my business and I come to your office and, you know, raise all kinds of heck, what, what kind of, I'm just kind of curious how you would think about a response to someone like that and try to. Well, I, I certainly, I try to hear everybody and listen to everybody. And over uh, my time at, uh, as commissioner of Peabot, I fully expect to, um, piss off people who wish that there were no bikes on their on the streets and I'm, I fully expect that the bike community will hold me accountable for not building enough uh, bike lanes it just has to be a balance and what we're trying to do is um, optimize uh, with the infrastructure we build and the culture that we build we're trying to optimize the trade-offs that we have to confront here okay to to put maybe a sharper point on that or continue down that road a little bit I'd love to hear what you think about some specific projects. Sure. Right. So uh, I just have three here um, and maybe we'll get to all of them. Maybe we won't. One that's going to definitely be talked about within your tenure is going to be 82nd Avenue. Yeah. Right. As you know, um, 
you know, Peabot has and some other partners around that project, some other agencies have already talking about have already started talking about the potential for like a bus priority lane on there. Yep. Uh, just just this week. Uh, Peabot put out something about what they plan to do for paving and crossing 82nd. Yep. But there remains this conversation to come up, I think, or I'd just like to get your temperature on it of, you know, should there be space for cycling on 82nd Avenue? I'd have to take a look at what the plans there are. But I'll tell you, um, you know, 82nd Avenue is one of the um, transportation projects in Portland that I'm most excited about. You know, it has been um, sort of a miserable road for most of my lifetime. Uh, we're well on the way to reimagining that road. So there's better public transportation there. Um, I think you're definitely going to see that. I think that we can make it greener. I think that uh, we're definitely looking at bike lanes in that space, or at least I believe we're looking at bike lanes in, in that space. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll be in conversation with the community about figuring out what the right solutions for, you know, the folks who live along that street are. Have you ever considered, um, I, I know you know Sandy Boulevard. Yeah, I know Sandy. I, I don't know if a lot of people in Portland, even people that ride bikes, just still haven't, they haven't allowed themselves to dream and imagine that it could have bike lanes on it. Sure. It could become this diagonal artery that could just like open up some yeah. amazing trip times on bikes because of it's a very rare diagonal yeah, in yeah, Portland. Yeah. Could you imagine? So it's coming up for repaving in yep. a couple of years and probably, you know, in the next couple, in the next two years for sure, there's going to be design conversations and oh, how yeah. to lay that out. And I know that uh, the, the local bike advocacy group, Bike Loud PDX, has sort of already made it a priority to start framing the conversation around, could there be bike lanes on Sandy? How does that sound to you as the commissioner of Peabot about making sure that the you know bike lanes on Sandy could be a possibility? Oh my gosh. Um, Sandy is uh, a street I know very, very well. I have uh, transversed it from inner southeast at uh, 122nd uh, thousands of times. Um, I also think it's one of our more interesting streets because it's on a diagonal. And so every building along Sandy Boulevard, it's kind of intentional because it needs to fit on that unique space. So uh, it's one of the uh, uh, ironically, it's one of the roads in Portland I kind of love best because it's it's because of its unique uh, the unique way it cuts through the city. I think it actually forces the city to grow up interestingly around it. Uh, could there be bike lanes uh, um, um, on Sandy Boulevard? I think yeah, absolutely. This of course we're going to do a public conversation around this. Um, I believe what we're looking at is uh, doing repaving projects along Lower Sandy, uh, um, so inner southeast out to uh, 30s or 40s or something like that, um, and maybe in a couple of different hunks. And uh, absolutely, Peabot is definitely um, amongst the options that we'll be, be presenting to people is the options to add uh, bike lanes in these spaces. So um, we haven't made any d decisions there yet. We definitely want to hear what the, what the people who live in, in these neighborhoods, including myself, uh, um, think about that. Uh, we want to hear from the businesses. We want to hear from the people who use the road. Uh, but definitely Lower Sandy, I could for sure see bike lanes being uh, helpful there. What about uh, the Rose Quarter? I know as Peabot Commissioner, you're, uh, you get an automatic seat on some tables and uh, advisory sure committees where these big statewide significant sort of projects get discussed. Um, and I just wonder, I mean, I know Peabot's had a sort of interesting roller coaster in their support, or, or I should say City of Portland has had a, a bunch of ups and downs in terms of their support. We had a previous commissioner sort of walk away from the project. It feels to me now that it would sort of characterize as a sort of like reluctant support as a partner, as a significant partner. Um, that That's just my my perspective. You may disagree with that. Do you think that that's right? How, do you, how would you kind of characterize Peabot's relationship to that Rose Quarter Freeway expansion? I think it's a really exciting uh, project. Um, you know, it's... Uh, represents an opportunity to um, reimagine uh, um, that neighborhood uh, to a large degree. So this is not just about roads, but it's also, it's not just about moving carts, it's about moving people and, or moving people on foot, moving people on bikes, represents an opportunity to do a lot of, I hope, equitable economic development there. Um, it also is a tight, uh, it's a tight neighborhood. You know, you got the Trailblazers building there, uh, you got bridges, off ramps and whatnot. What's really important important is that the infrastructure that we build in this space um, uh, makes 
the, the space safer. Um, it's multimodal, so it works for cars, it works for bikes, and it works for uh, um, people on foot, uh, and also supports the neighborhood. You know, the things around uh, around uh, the Moda Center tend to be kind of quiet when there's not stuff going on. This is a real opportunity uh, to um, uh, to lay the infrastructure that we need to make this a vibrant neighborhood. So we're very excited about the concept of it. I agree with what you just said, but I think at, at the end of the day, that's still a project that's run by the Oregon Department of, of Transportation. Um, they don't necessarily have the best track record of creating uh, spaces like that and creating projects that, that really do make vibrant communities, yeah. especially dense ones in urban areas. Just recently when they came out with some of their drawings uh, as part of the federal you know, environmental process, there's been a lot of, actually, City of Portland Transportation Bureau had some very pointed criticism yep. of, some of, their, of some of their plans. Do you... Going into it, you know, do you have trust that ODOT can pull that off? I would, uh, I would reframe the way this discussion is playing out. There is a robust discussion happening right now uh, between stakeholders about what this infrastructure looks like. Uh, you know, ODOT, because of the, their mission, has a particular perspective, uh, but ODOT is not the only player at the table. The city of Portland, PBOT, cares about this a lot. Uh, local businesses uh, care about this a lot. Albina Vision cares about it a lot. Trailblazers care about it a lot. Uh, we're all in conversation trying to figure out how to make this project work, and frankly, uh, this is a top priority to figure out how to make this space work for everybody. And, and one, one part of that for the city of Portland has been to say, we will only support this if, if we feel that the state is serious about doing congestion pricing through that corridor first, or at least giving us assurances that it's going to happen even, even simultaneously. Is that something that you're, that is on your radar that you're going to put forward as a sort of a contingency in terms of your support for it? Sure. Well, uh, there is, um, Amongst the tables I sit at now uh, that I'm uh, the commissioner in charge of PBOT, um, I sit at an awful lot of tables that are um, um, talking about tolling. Um, I, the tolling discussion, and here's PBOT's role in tolling right now, because ultimately ODOT and the state has, has the real power here. Um, you know, if there's going to be tolling, we want to make sure that it is um, equitable. So if you're a working mom uh, who has to drive drive her car to get to her place of employment, uh, somehow you can afford to pay tolls. Um, as the commissioner of PBOT, if they're poll tolls, I'm deeply concerned about diversion. And what and so people will try to avoid those tolls, go on uh, surface streets. How do we go about, if that were to happen, how do we go about mitigating that? Um, but I'll tell you, with the Rose Quarter conversation in particular, at least at this moment, the conversations are largely, at least at the tables I'm at, the conversations are largely about coming up with a design uh, for that space that actually works. And then there's probably a number of separate tables that will talk about how to pay for it. Back to what you're saying about just tolling in general. Yep. I know you're on the regional uh, I, tolling advisory committee. I, I, I just watched the most, the most recent meeting uh, and it's getting down to sort of brass tacks in a way where they're having these harder conversations about how can we spend or how, how will we, how will we be able to spend some of this tolling revenue? And I know that it's an un, uh, it's an unfinished, there's no answer to that yet. ODOT is obviously reluctant to say, you know, hard, hard and fast sort of where this money can be spent. But I know you're aware of some of those conversations. Um, and I just wonder if you're, you know, are you going to support being more flexible with the funding than it is now? In other words, I think ODOT, if they had their druthers and some other people around that table, some powerful folks like the freight, they would just want everything to stay the same and make it just regular gas tax, state uh, gas tax, highway fund money, yep. right? Are you going to stand up and say, let's make it more flexible? Let's consider spending this in other ways? That is exactly the conversation which is happening now. Um, you know, if you um, start to toll the state highways, it's going to have an impact on our local streets, um, both in terms of increased traffic, increased wear and tear. Um, um, also, it, we're going to have to um, imagine how, really think hard about how pedestrians and bicyclists go about um, getting where they need to go when uh, car traffic increases dramatically. All of that's going to impose costs, uh, frankly, on PBOT. Uh, right now, the conversations, ODOT is not offering dollars, uh, direct dollars, so that PBOT can manage this. ODOT's position um, currently seems to be uh, we will 
study the impact that tolling will have on your side streets and we will work with you to do mitigation efforts around that. Um, and I appreciate that um, offer of cooperation moving forward. Um, I also have deep concerns about that too. Uh, um, you know, when I'm at that table and you listen to me, uh, you'll probably hear me basically subtly and sometimes explicitly making the argument that we really need to have a richer conversation and deeper cooperation about how these dollars go because this is likely to be a very dynamic space. It will impact not just the highways, but um, our neighborhoods too. And the state needs to help us out here. And, and there's a related conversation to that where there's growing supports, partly because of the success of 82nd Avenue yep. jurisdictional transfer, there's growing support building on that to take some of this money that's been traditionally spent on these freeway mega projects yep. and spend it on these orphan highways, these urban arterials, right? ODOT has something called the Great Streets Program. Yep. It's kind of an empty empty bucket at this point. They have some funding, but not a lot. Yeah. There's a bill right now. I think uh, Repcon Fam is one of the sponsors. They have a, a number of 200 million. There's a House and a Senate bill right now. There's already been a number of 200 million to be spent on these urban arterials. I'm curious, you know, what you think about that and would you be willing to sort of dedicate city lobbying efforts to be pushing those kind of ideas in Salem? Oh, it's uh, it's it's urgent and it's needed. Uh, yes, indeed, I would. You think about streets like Powell where we've seen some tragedy. You know, it's one of our high crash corridors. We had a young woman on her bike uh, um, killed relatively recently. Um, you know, I think a lot of folks around Portland have said um, to the city of Portland, why don't you take over uh, uh, Powell and uh, put in the kind of infrastructure there that will keep people safe and we will do that eventually i also want to point out there's nothing stopping the state of oregon from making powell a safe place for people to walk and ride and drive today uh, um, i think that is a fundamental obligation of the state you know if you're going to build infrastructure you have a responsibility to build safe infrastructure and maintain it and i think it's fair to say that the state of oregon has failed to uh, meet that basic mission in many streets in the city of Portland. Okay, I want to switch gears a little bit to enforcement. Yeah. Um, even before the murder of George Floyd and the protests yeah. about racial justice, Portland was already talking about and, and discussing the tensions around race and police enforcement of traffic laws. Um, in 2015, actually, there, there were meetings around the Vision Zero Task Force where there were police in the room. There was discussions about whether or not or how big of, a, of an issue enforcement should be within the Vision Zero plan that was yep. adopted. They adopted and said, we don't want enforcement to be a part of this plan, which is kind of you know surprising to some people, um, a plan to impre increase traffic safety that that intentionally says we don't want it to come with increased enforcement. Um, and of course, in, in 2020, that just ratcheted up. Even from uh, PBOT's own perspective, they had a, they used to have a, a really good collaboration with the police bureau around doing what they called crosswalk enforcement missions. Yep. This was years and years, and thousands of tickets had been written where they'd go out with a decoy from a, a PBOT staffer, and the police would be there. It was a really, uh, it was a really close partnership. They cut that off in July 2020. It was obviously a reaction to and heightened awareness and concern around the police presence uh, in our neighborhoods. Nationally, safe routes to school movements dropped in enforcement as one of their pillars. So you're kind of aware of that. And I'm just curious what your assessment is of where PBOT is right now in their relationship to the, to the Portland Police Bureau and enforcement of traffic laws. Well, I... I don't know if I could speak, uh, well, I guess I can speak for the Bureau, but here I should just, just speak as a member of City Council. Um, I believe it's time that I, I think the city needs to step up its traffic enforcement um, work. Uh, in the last five years, traffic deaths in Portland have roughly increased have roughly doubled. Uh, um, it's not like our infrastructure has gotten dramatically worse during that time. Frankly, it's not really even like, you know, the amount of car traffic on the roads has dramatically increased. What has increased or changed during this time is the fact that we got out of the business of traffic enforcement. And I will also tell you, uh, you can probably talk to our friends at the county and take a look at uh, some of the underlying causes of folks who um, die in traffic accidents. Um, I believe that well, more than half of uh, deadly traffic accidents involve at least one um, participant who is on drugs or alcohol. Um, and we see this every day. If you ever sort of go out at night, uh, um, you will 
on our highways or on our side streets, you see people who are clearly inebriated. Um, this really can't stand. We need to change this. But what about like specifically like solutions though? So if I could hear your answer to that and say, so you want more police on the street enforcing traffic laws? Yeah. I think I can say that. I, this is uh, traffic deaths have increased dramatically. Um, I think it also contributes to a broad sense of um, Portland being a lawless place. Um, you know, just I think literally today I saw someone every day I see someone run a red light in Portland, which is uh, kind of remarkable. And I don't think I'd seen that before. Um, I, and as a person of color, I can tell you. Um, I, I, yes, I would like drunk drivers to be pulled over and taken off the streets because I got, you know, right about now, I got a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old making their way home from school on a bike. So is that, is that somewhat of a shift for you from a few years ago? I mean, I recall you saying you yourself being afraid to drive in Portland. Oh, yeah. I still um, am afraid to drive in Portland. And also, I've, I, I recall... Oh, because of uh, cops? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I also, um, re- I also remember you saying about how you wanted to, uh, or you saw the future of the Portland Police Bureau. This was in November 2020 yep. when we talked last, how you saw the future of the Portland Police Bureau having a smaller footprint. So I'm curious, is, is this a change from you, given the last few years where you're saying, you know what? It's got the answer has to be more police. Um, I think we have to right size the police department. Uh, um, given what our needs are um, and how large the city is, I think we need to figure out what the appropriate number of cops are and what their function should be. Uh, right now, we have about 800 cops. I think uh, most fair analysts who take a look at police staffing around the country would say a city of uh, the size of Portland should have about 1,200 cops. I think the innovative work, and we're actually making good progress on this, is, you know, is there... Is there business, is there work that the police should not be doing anymore? Uh, should uh, police be our first responders for people who um, are having a mental health crisis uh, or who are homeless? I, I think we've largely gotten out of that business, and I think that's largely a good thing. Um, so th- that is some of the, that's. Uh, yeah, well, well, yeah. well t- to that point, I mean, I kind of asked you the questions like that because I was curious if you would bring up the idea that it doesn't have to be police doing a lot of this stuff, oh absolutely especially armed police yeah right no, i think that is uh, is completely clear and we have portland street response now we have ps3s who are unarmed police officers you know i think uh or certainly i hope in the future uh well we already have this we have innovative programs in the fire bureau uh who are doing some of the outreach to people who are having uh health especially health crises on the streets um i do think that we definitely need to <laughs> reimagine and reevaluate what we expect cops to do and uh, I'm certainly I think historically what has really happened in Portland and most American cities is that when we didn't have a good solution to an important social problem we threw cops at them Uh, that has not served us well and it's also uh, one of the most expensive ways you can take to trying to solve a problem problems that basically deal with poverty or mental health or or drug addiction I I mean on that note your, your predecessor Commissioner Joanne Hardesty she had an approach to this that included going into a neighborhood like at near Mount Scott Park and creating like a car-free public space in a place where neighbors said there was a lot of crime. There was also a, a piece of that, an element of that that was like traffic calming stuff, sure. you know, the orange barrels in the street to say it's sort of like only local traffic, that sort of thing. And the, the city seems to have liked that. Peabot has, from, they've, they've replicated that. There was a recent project by Jefferson High School in North Portland where they used sort of traffic calming methods. There'd been a couple shootings outside the school that were like motor vehicle based, right? So do you think those are the kind of initiatives that we should continue to sort of fund and make even stronger? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you should remember that before before I had my current job, I also worked at the city, helping manage the city's crime prevention program. Who are, and these are just civilian, not civilians, but uh, these are not cops. These are people who work, you know, literally do community organizing with real Portlanders to take a look at, you know, the physical environment that you live in to figure out how to make it safer. It can be everything from lighting to crosswalks to making sure everyone on the block has everyone else's phone number. So if you see someone going into your your garage or something, you can call your neighbor and say, hey, I think you might have a problem in your backyard. And one of the frustrating things for me around this enforcement discussion is that we do have a solution that works very well, that has relatively little friction that requires no humans, which is called automated enforcement cameras, Yeah, right? Which PBOT 
in a way has a good track track record of i think they've deployed the program really well yep. um but they haven't done a good job in terms of like the volume of cameras right so they i think the program itself is solid the way that the transparency has been good they do the right reporting but there's been a real problem getting cameras out on the road we're averaging like i guess maybe one a year it's been seven years now we have nine of them on, on the ground it's just been delay after delay uh, there was just a bill passed last session where we were able to root out the sort of police officer element yep. of it so the cops don't have to process them, which was they said was a bottleneck. Unfortunately, even we've passed that law, it's been a year now, and we still haven't seen the bottleneck opened up. So do you are you a fan of automated cameras and can you can you help us understand why there aren't more of them and can we expect more of them in the next two years oh uh absolutely i am a fan uh you will see more of them uh in the next two years frankly i believe in the next year i will double the number of traffic cams and speed cams that we have out there right now and uh frankly you would see more the bottleneck here has to deal with um the supplier of the cameras. We are not able to find uh, a contractor who can consistently provide this service at the volume that we need it. So the, con okay, I've heard the contractor thing before and I just yeah. wonder when it's time to cut and run. Can we not sever ties with them? I've heard that that's a rumor to happen, but it hasn't, I just. Uh, we're looking, I, I tell you, we're scouring the the, 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 the world for, for this. Uh, this is uh, a this is a market supply problem. Gotcha. Okay, I know you are having to go to another meeting out out in East Portland, I, but I do I do want to talk about uh, revenue and PBOT budget. Okay, good. This uh, is an important a, topic. That's a big topic. Um, I know you just had a council work session end of last month about asset management. Yep. Where I know this came up, uh, kind of a fascinating discussion about how to handle the sort of traditional maintenance backlog, which you know four point four billion is the number that we hear we hear bandied about every once in a while. Um, I've heard about uh, PBOT budget problems almost for the last 18 years since, yep. since I've been doing this job. I've never heard it talked about in the t sort of terms that they're talking about it now. I think obviously COVID was like, you know, just a, another cut on, an, on a very bare bone uh, in terms of the budget. Um, what do, can you help me understand sort of your general approach to the budget as you you're, you're, you're in the process right now of making your recommendation right yeah. to, to council. So how are you coming into this? What is your feeling at this point about how you're going to approach a budget that's going to have to get reduced again, but you obviously still have to do things and, and you know create this product for the city. Well, absolutely. Here, let me put uh, this into perspective for folks. You know, over the course of the next five years, uh, Port or Peabot faces about a sixty million dollar deficit. Um, and as you rightly pointed out, Peabot took cuts last year and the year before that. Moving forward, we're going to you know need to be cutting the budget by about $5 million a year. Um, you know, you, you know, try to be as efficient as possible. Um, you know, you try to, to delay projects to some degree, but we are now in this new space where um, we are really beginning to cut into bone and that will start, um, frankly, this year. Uh, small projects that, I, that are important, uh, will be delayed uh, um, or not happen next year. Uh, so, you know, everyone, like the leaf pickups, you know, we're likely to see some of that that uh, uh, go away. Um, I basically have a $5 million hole that I need to figure out how to fill right away. And let me also point out wh why this is happening. Uh, you know, number one, we get, as you pointed out, we get a lot of our revenues through gas taxes, but you know, there are plenty of people driving cars right now that don't use any gas, and that's a great thing, so I'm not upset about that. Um, we also get a lot of our revenue from parking meters, and you know, you and I are sitting having this conversation in downtown Portland on a Friday afternoon, and you will notice there are plenty of empty parking spaces, because on Friday afternoons, lots of downtown work work from home um, so it's you know we, we are going to have to consistently cut uh, we're gonna have to find efficiencies uh, and we are definitely doing that uh, but I, I also have to be really transparent uh, there will be real and meaningful cuts um, you know this year I think we might lose some staff uh, not that many but frankly after this year uh, we are gonna be in a space where we're likely to see significant like human beings who work at Peabot go away, which is usually something you try to avoid. So that 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 is definitely the the bad news. Um, I, I think the good news when it comes to Peabot and revenue is that there's a lot of untapped sources. 
Um, Tell me more. I mean, yeah, I was just, I was just going to say, I say that as someone who's not in the building. Yeah, I acknowledge yeah, yeah. that. Uh, but uh, do you have some ideas that are bu- bouncing around your head? You know, some of them that come up. So the budget, the PBOT's Budget Advisory Committee has, has made a recommendation to pursue funding from the Clean Energy Fund, which would be new, which may be politically a bit of a lift to say, hey, we, we want to get some of that. It's been expanded recently where I think city agencies will be able to apply. Is that something you would support? Some of this new ideas like going at, at PCEF money? Oh, um, absolutely. One of the things we'll do, and we don't, to be clear, it's my understanding that uh, there will not be and would not be a direct transfer of dollars out of the Clean Energy Fund to PBOT, but I do think that uh, moving forward, uh, the Clean Energy Fund would be open to um, environmental projects sponsored uh, by PBOT. We'll definitely be pitching that. Uh, You know, this is the conversation, frankly, a lot of my conversations with ODOT are basically around tolling dollars and uh, making sure that uh, PBOT receives a fair share of tolling dollars so that we can uh, mitigate the damaging effects that uh, tolling highways will have on our residential uh, neighborhoods. And I think that we're going to have to have um, a statewide and local conversation about how we fund this most important uh, service. I appreciate that. Um, okay, two questions about revenue that are really quick. Will you support the forty cent increase to the parking meter rate that's up in this summer? Um, I have not been briefed on that yet, okay. but I, given the size of the hole that I face, I suspect that I will. And the gas tax, the local gas tax that former Commissioner Novick started in twenty sixteen, so it's a four year thing. It yep. got renewed in twenty twenty. It's up for renewal in twenty twenty four. Do you think it'll be time, given what you would have learned by then, and the need for funding? Is should we ask for more? Then the 10 cents, what do you think about that renewal uh, That's a, a really good, my goal here, that's a really good question, and I suspect that uh, I certainly I will support renewal of it. Um, I really want to come up with a plan to get this bureau in transportation on solid, predictable uh, uh, um, financial grounds. Uh, you know, scrambling to find uh, pots of dollars every year results in a bureau and a system that evolves in an ad hoc manner, which largely reflects where dollars are at any given time, as opposed to what our strategic vision is. Um, So one of the things you'll see me do over the next two years is to talk with my colleagues and city council and in the state legislature around developing a a, uh, predictable, stable, uh, sustainable, funding source for um, our transportation infrastructure, which means more than just roads for cars. It also means bike lanes and sidewalks. And, um, you know, I got boat docks and uh, tunnels and uh, aero trams too. Okay, you might have just answered this, but I, I wanted to ask sort of, sort of final question here. So former Commissioner Steve Novick had, like, I think local gas tax increase was his big thing. Commissioner Udaley had the Rose Lanes, which I think yep. transportation-wise kind of her legacy. Uh, Commissioner Hardesty had car-free plazas and some of the work she did around that during COVID. When it comes to transportation in Portland, so what policy or project do you want your tenure to be remembered for? Sure. I hope that I hope and plan and am working towards building um, a greener transportation infrastructure. I'm working towards building uh, a more equitable transportation infrastructure. And um, I'm working on providing um, and establishing um, a stable um, and sustainable financial model for funding, uh, you know, our roads, uh, bike lanes, and sidewalks. Anything else you want to share? Uh, yeah, actually, I do. Um, I just want to thank everyone who worked at Peabot who helped clear our roads during our recent snowstorm. Those folks were heroes. If you hear my voice now and you made it home eventually, it's because someone was working around the clock to make sure that you are safe and got to go where you needed to be. Thank you, Commissioner Maps. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. That was Portland City Commissioner Mingus Maps. Be sure to check the show notes for things we mentioned in the episode. Thank you so much for listening. And to all of you who support Bike Portland, thank you very much. It's your financial contributions that make our work possible. And if you're not a subscriber yet, please do sign up as soon as you can at bikeportland.org support. I'm your host, Jonathan Moz. And until next time, I'll see you in the streets.